Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So we are back from WWDC um, after a, a full week of all manner of things uh, in terms of you know meeting people, learning new things. Um, and unfortunately, I don't think either of us have quite had enough time to dig out from that experience and to really get down to the nitty degree details around um, the details of the technical, the technical announcements that were announced. I think there's a lot of interesting topics and useful things for us to discuss that came out of the technical side. And I think what we decided is that it made sense. Um, rather than diving into those this week, uh, we're going to talk about the 10 more technical announcements and things that came up um, in the following weeks to the show. But uh, for today, I think there's a couple, there's many things that we can talk about, though, that are not specifically, you know, detailed into low level API changes or those types of things um, and they, that we can talk about. And I think the first one that I think is an interesting one to talk about is just the high level point around. So now we have all of these changes. Now we have all, now we know finally. Um, what is going to be coming for us this summer. Um, it's sort of a little bit of a discussion around release planning and working out what we ship, um, when we ship it, and how that kind of um, that, that process goes. Because um, for years, I've always found followed this process where, you know, sort of I do a bunch of updates in the fall with the previous, you know, the previous iOS update. Um, the That sort of fall through spring period is typically a very busy, busy, busy time, lots of updates. Um, and then around mid-spring, it starts to get really awkward because you start to think, well, is it worth, you know, how close, how much do I want to work on a feature that might be Sherlocked or that might be fundamentally changed technically or like new opportunities might appear that Monday of WWDC. And so in, in general, in the back of my mind, I'm always, you know, as I get closer to WWDC, I start working less on more adventurous features and tend to focus mostly on things like bug up, bug fix updates and those types of, of changes. And so it's like, you know, it's like that, that, that the Monday of WWDC in large way just completely dictates what my, what my summer is going to be like. Um, and now we have that information and now we can kind of work out what we're going to do. Um, and I'm curious, Marco, what, what are you thinking right now in terms of the way to structure this? Do you have a lot of updates you're just going to keep working on for your old things or just drop everything and focus on, on updates that are going to appear this fall? Um, it's, it, I like to think it's the latter in practice. It's a little bit of the former too. You know, Willie, we've talked in the past about how the, the Apple development year kind of has seasons to it and, and that, you know, the summer is kind of like the big reset. And, you know, like you were just saying, like, you know, typically the, the best way for us to spend our springtime it, which is kind of like the calm before the storm of WBDC, uh, is to basically clear the decks to basically like, you know, get your house in order, uh, get, you know, get bug fixes out there, make your app as stable as possible in the existing branch or version of it. So that way, when WWDC happens, you have a clear plate and you can start working on the new stuff. You can start taking advantage of the new stuff. Um, and that's mostly what I did this past spring. Like I, I was adding basically, you know, refinement features to Overcast. I was doing, you know, some some security improvements and privacy stuff with GDPR. But for the most part, I was doing pretty much an entire springtime of minor bug fix updates. And that has worked out pretty well. I have one in review right now that I think should probably, hopefully, if I've done my job right, should be my last update until iOS 12. Um, you know that that might not happen if I have to fix a bug sometime later in the summer. Then I'll do that. But hopefully, this is it for this branch because what I want to do, and what I have already started a little bit doing, is every time you know we get our beta one and our SDK beta one, I start a new branch of the app in Git. And this is my iOS 12 branch. And 
I set the build target to iOS 12 only, and I see all the new warnings and deprecations and everything that I have to deal with. Because, <laughs> like, you know, every time you get a new iOS version, you know, there's there's a whole list of stuff that gets added to your to-do list. And it's kind of hard to know where to start, how to prioritize it. And it's it's difficult because some of the more fun stuff, like, hey, there's a new API I want to use, uh, or my app can do this thing, or I can replace a lot of my old, you know, my own hacky code with this new system-provided way to do this. And a lot of that stuff is really tempting to do first. But in reality, what, what I usually need to do first is fix everything that breaks with the new iOS version. And so, you know, there's different degrees of what it means to be broken, uh, you know, a, a deprecation is kind of a future promise that a thing will break. <laughs> and so that is, you know, that is something that you should fix pretty soon in the summertime, but doesn't necessarily have to be like week one of working on your new thing. Um, new compiler warnings are usually a big pain in the butt, but usually things that you should deal with. Uh, again, pretty soon, you know, it doesn't need to necessarily be day one, but it, you should really put it up there like pretty high on the list. Um, and then Every time the OS changes and every time especially you require the newest version only, where, which basically disables a bunch of compatibility modes in uh, in iOS, then you might have bugs in your app, especially like minor visual bugs with things like, oh, they changed the way table views worked a little bit or something like that. And so you might now have things that worked fine in previous versions, but in the current version are broken. And so my priority order of like how i tackle new things when we get our first betas assuming my app is already in the stable state that i hopefully left it at for like the main public branch of it uh you know basically job number one is find things that have broken and fix them job number two is fix all the new warnings and update the project settings and everything else and job number three is fix all the deprecated stuff that that is newly deprecated in the app um, and so that's basically what I've been doing. And then, unfortunately, I really don't feel very good tackling the new fun APIs until all three of those things are done. So usually it's a few weeks in, at least before I try anything new. And this is not that efficient for certain things. Like, it's kind of hard to motivate yourself after, like, the fun of WWDC week to then say, all right, let's go do some boring maintenance work on my app so I can fix all these warnings and deprecations. Because <laughs> that stuff usually is not that fun. Um, but... I do like I don't like having that hanging over me forever and I find it hard to enjoy the new stuff unless I have like you know like like I said earlier unless I have like a clear plate and you know I, I feel like you can get the app to a you know low bug state before the conference but once you run your app on the new beta it's like your your plate gets piled on top you know of uh, you know you you get, you get a giant pile of all these like warnings and maintenance things that you just have to deal with and so to me, like, my plate is no longer clear. And so I can't enjoy the new stuff until my plate is re-cleared of all that maintenance stuff. And, you know, in certain years, you know, the OSs we get are, are better or worse at that than others. Like, certain years you have more maintenance stuff or it's harder to fix or it takes more work to fix or it's, or it's like, something that could be a very long process, like a design refresh. That's always, you know, that's that's usually more complex to 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 update your app for like an iOS seven kind of thing that's usually more complex than oh they re, you know they deprecated UI WebView you know stuff like that so anyway so that's that's kind of what I'm doing is dealing with all those deprecations and everything I don't think this year is too bad of a year for that I think we got off pretty easy um, so I do hope to get into the newer stuff probably by next week uh, but 
we'll see. The, the, those deprecations and things can can be deceptively time consuming. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I always struggle with with that, and in general, I think I follow a similar pattern to you, but I always kind of, it feels awkward to not, to, to largely put the app from a user facing perspective, um, like on the shelf and like not, you know, like the, to essentially enter into a period where other than significant bug fixes, um, there'll be no user facing, you know, activity for, um, a couple of months potentially, you know, until sometime in mid September probably um like that always feels like kind of it's a strange and like it's it's a missed opportunity in a way you know that for like for three months of the year um there's no new updates there's no new interest there's you know it's just the, the, the app is what it is on the store um and obviously like i have enough apps that many of my apps go three months without getting updated normally so it's not like it's a completely outrageous thing but um, it is always slightly one thing that i just wanted to mention is slightly awkward um about this time of year and i think maybe is an interesting thing that if you're working on an app that doesn't have a lot of new iOS 12 stuff in it, or you don't see much this fall that you can be pushing towards, it is potentially an opportunity um, to have a, t- a period of time when you may have an easier time getting Apple or press uh, or just general user attention uh, for an app update, just because it is likely a quieter time uh, more generally. But I think for my own apps, that's largely what I'm doing. I have a couple of bug fixes and minor feature changes um, that I expect to do. And then it'll be this sort of, yeah, there's this sort of, you have this pivot where you have to change um, as you head towards iOS 12. And it's, you know, in general, that kind of managing two concurrent development branches or even just keeping track in your head of like what's the new stuff and what's the old stuff just gets really complicated. So generally just sort of pick, diving into it and committing to it and only kind of going back to the old branch um, as needed for small bug fixes or things is probably the sane way to do it. Um, but it is definitely kind of an awkward thing and you know something that I, I I, I kind of wish I had a slightly better answer to, but the, I think the reality is it's fine. Most people won't probably notice. And um, having a, you know, a strong showing this fall is ultimately probably m- more important um, for, for, for most apps. I think, you know, that, that is definitely a time when there's a lot of user interest. There's a time when there's a lot of uh, press interest and Apple interest in you know, adopting the new technologies and, you know, b- putting yourself onto that onto the radar for over all those things in terms of all the different lists and things that come up is, you know, I think a very compelling and useful time. So, but it is a little tricky. And I mean, I'm honestly, the hardest part for me at this point is the sitting, I still don't think I fully have my like list of all of the things I want to do this summer um, to, you know, to, to my various apps. And I think it's always so hard to know what to prioritize, to know what, um, what things are actually going to be a big deal, you know, say like we get something like series or shortcuts, ostensibly, it seems like a big deal, um, that, you know, and every app that I'm working on should adopt it. But at the same time, there's always in the back of my head, like, is this going to be one of these, you know, really big new compelling things, or is it going to turn out more like iMessage apps or something, which was like, <laughs> it's fine. exactly the example I was thinking of in my head as you were reading that yeah. sentence. I'm like, oh, he's, I hope he says iMessage apps. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where it's like, I, like, I don't, it's like iMessage apps kind of fizzled out. Like, I think stickers became a big, a bigger thing, but actually, like, putting rich functionality in iMessage didn't really happen. And is Siri Shortcuts going to be one of those? Or, you know, like, but to, for example, today, we're today view widgets, um, I would say is a feature that I'm very glad I adopted. I think is widely used, um, and especially, and is, if anything, has become more and more important. So, like, adopting that on day one was important. Um, and I think finding from a release planning perspective that balance of like, 
is this actually going to be the new hotness or is this just kind of one of these features that's going to appear and then fizzle or appear and then become something different um, down the road, I think is really hard. Um, and I think at a certain point we just kind of have to guess and we just kind of go with our, go with our gut of what we think we're going to be, we're interested in working on. Do we have a, you know, I think, do we have a, uh, the thing I've lessened, I've learned many times the hard way is do I feel like I have something that is actually uh, compelling for this feature or am I just trying to find a way to shoehorn it into uh, my app? And if I'm, you know, I think I'm much more reticent to do a shoehorn, a shoehorning feature now. Um, than I once was, where I was just every you know every new feature I'm going to try and adopt it and just hope that in aggregate that kind of works for me. I think now I'm much more circumspect about you know is this a, is this compelling? Is this actually going to make my app better? If it is, I'll do my best to make it ready. You know, day one, take advantage of any, all of those types of things. But uh, I'd be, be I'm much more thoughtful than I used to be for sure. We are brought to you this week by Linode. With Linode, you have access to a powerful suite of hosting options with prices starting at just $5 a month. You can be up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud in under a minute. Linode offers industry-leading performance with native enterprise SSD storage, a 40-gigabit network, and Intel Xeon E5 processors. Linode now has 10 data centers spread across the world, so you can serve your customers even quicker than before. And if, you know, if you're a programmer listening to the show, which you probably are, they even have an API that lets you easily automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud. And all of this is manageable via their awesome web interface or the command line. All of Linode's pricing tiers feature hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups and node balancers. So Linode has fantastic pricing options available. Their plans start at 1 gig of RAM for just $5 a month, and they offer lots of other plans above that and even specialized things like high memory plans that those start with 16 gigs of RAM and go up from there. As a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com slash radar, you will not only be supporting us, which we will definitely appreciate, but you will also get $20 towards any Linode plan. On the one gig plan, that could be four free months. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there is nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash radar. This is the host that David and I use. It's great. I've been there a long time, and I'm very, very happy there. I highly recommend them. Once again, go to linode.com slash radar. You will learn more there. You can sign up there, and you can take advantage of that $20 credit or use promo code RADAR2018 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting the show. So the other sort of wrench that was thrown into our release release planning um sort of thoughts this year is the addition of, I think, what is generally being referred to as the marzipan ui kit um on the mac it doesn't actually give that apple didn't give it a name which it, it, it just creates more confusion i think but anyway the sneak peek <laughs> we'll all just keep calling it marzipan and apple will keep pretending like we're not calling it that yeah so the but the ability to run ui kit apps or to bring ui kit com, uh, functionality to the mac um in uh in mojave is a very interesting thing from a release planning perspective i think it's interesting obviously in that this isn't this year this is something that they're talking about releasing sometime next year um that's i mean it could be wwdc it could be before that it could be after that but sometime next year this is going to be coming out and i think from a release planning perspective that's for me is kind of interesting because it's a, a new platform that ostensibly is something that we're going to be able to take advantage of with relatively little work and in many ways, it seems like these apps are, if you have a compelling, strong iPad app that 
you you know that that exists in your application that the, the effort to take that and turn that into a mac app is suddenly potentially going to be not necessarily like you know click a click a button and off it goes but a dramatically reduced um, scope of work um, or honestly in some ways even an iphone app and like i imagine on because there are certainly some Mac apps that I have. I mean, I'm looking at my audio recorder right now, um, which is you know a fully native Mac app, which is Piezo um, by Rogamiva, and it is an iPhone-sized block on the screen that doesn't change its size. So even there, like if you could have an app that would just run run naturally on the Mac, uh, give it irrespective of size. But I think for me, especially, I think about are there things that I want to be doing this year to beef up my iPad app and get it ready for um, UI kit on the Mac whenever that comes. Um, or conversely, it's like if I was thinking, I mean, I wasn't personally, but I think in the back of my mind, overcast on the Mac is always this open question. Like it's this funny place of if any work you were going to do on that now probably wouldn't make sense to do now, other than the work potentially of getting your UI kit code base, you know, flexible and ready for a big wide screen. Yeah, I mean, this to me, Marzipan is, is probably the most interesting, like long-term planning aspect that we learned this year. Um, you know, like you know, you like you mentioned, you know, bringing Overcast to it. I would love to do that right now. I'm pretty sure it won't work um, because I use UI WebView, and UI WebView is deprecated. And according to Steve Trout and Smith's digging through Marzipan um, and the work of a lot of other people who are working on it as well, it seems like what is included right now in that runtime is only the like you know mainstream and non-deprecated functionality everything like anything that's deprecated now in ui kit is gone in marzipan so that's one of the reasons why i want to get get off of uh deprecated stuff pretty soon and actually the very first thing i what i was doing yesterday was converting ui webview to wk webview uh, which surprisingly not easy given how much i abuse ui webview but it's it's doable i finally figured it out it also does not help that i'm doing that conversion in swift which just slows me down tremendously because I'm still very, very new to Swift, but I figure this is the time to do it. Um, but anyway, getting back to more, you know more general things with Marzipan, I, I think what this shows you is you know it, this is really valuable for Apple to to have told us about this, even though they have nothing to sh- to let us use yet uh, with it, because this lets us plan things. Like this is why businesses like when their vendors and suppliers and you know things give them roadmaps. It helps you plan important decisions. There's a lot of value to that. And we're not used to having a roadmap in Apple land. And it's really nice that right now we we have one for this. Uh, not a very detailed one, but we have one nonetheless. And so what this tells me as an iOS developer is, first of all, if I was thinking about maybe undertaking the massive project of writing a Mac app from scratch, which I wasn't, but just for the sake of argument, suppose I was, um, maybe I would cancel that ambition and just say, all right, you know what? I don't need to write my own app kit app that it, since I don't, I already have this giant iOS code base. I don't know app kit very well and I and there I don't have any existing customers using it so I might as well not do it at all now. But also if you read the tea leaves a little bit with you know with the marzipan stuff with uh Mark Gurman's rumored iOS redesign next year, John Gruber's rumored new UI declarative framework uh it would make a lot of sense to release all those things at the same time and for that same time to be next summer. Like that would make a whole lot of sense for a lot of reasons. So not only is Marzipan a big looming thing on the, on the like, you know, one year from now horizon, but it's also seems likely that we might also get a UI redesign and possibly a new UI framework. So what this tells me is this year 
is not a good time to write a bunch of UI code. To, to invest heavily in in UI redesigns or new UI or or lots of UI coding, this is probably a good time to hold that to hold off on that. So that I use that inference and and you know and the knowledge of Marzipan, I, I use that to prioritize what I should be working on instead. So for me, that is under the hood stuff, back end improvements, server improvements in the app, audio engine improvements, um, things like you know obviously bug fixes, adopting new APIs, you know do, doing things like WK WebView, you know replacing the that kind of stuff. Um, there's a lot I need to do with the audio engine to make it compatible with AirPlay two, which now seems increasingly important. And then and you know there's a lot I have to do on the watch because. I love like all the developers who who we talked to who are like, yeah, you know, I don't really have anything to do this summer. They didn't really give me much. I'm like, you don't make a podcast app because <laughs> if sure. if you make a podcast app, you have a lot to do this summer actually, <laughs> uh, which is great. It's a great problem for me to have. But uh, anyway, so like this, it, I, I'm because of the information we have and the rumors that point to additional supporting things. I'm choosing to spend this year on under the hood stuff and you know there, there, there will be a few features here and there or a few design tweaks here or there but ultimately i don't think it's very smart for me to spend this year doing a lot of a lot of design and ui coding and there's so many under the hood things that could definitely occupy me for a year that require either no ui or not that much ui um, even you know things like search like people people have asked me for search since day one very very common feature and there's all sorts of like little just like little like nice to have features like that that people have asked me for over the years that I just have never really had the time to do because I've been keeping up with like the UI bandwagon. And so when I take a year off the UI bandwagon to say, to kind of like give that a pass and say, I'm going to work on other things this year besides major UI work, uh, that I think will free me up to do a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah. And I think what's really interesting about what you just said is how like all of these things fact, like combine into one another. Or like starting with the the starting point of um, that UI kit is coming to the Mac, and then the other things that we've heard about, it's like, and then you end up with the like this year. This is the year of the behind the scenes rather than the uh, visual design potentially. Yeah, like I think that's a really interesting approach, and in, in, in like a like I, I think it's it's very smart to have try and draw those kinds of broader inf- inferences because one thing I will say that Apple is usually very good about is they they leave lots of clues. Um, like they're, they're actually a very secretive company, but I think as well, we would, I would love it if they were a bit more obvious with these types of things. There are so often these clues and breadcrumbs that lead, sort of lead you forward into the future. And I think, you know, if you pick up on those, you know, maybe the, the most obvious examples are the things that they've started doing around flexible screen sizes. Um, or, you know, last year we had the safe area inset stuff. And then, wow, look at this. We have an iPhone 10 where suddenly there's, you know, a need for safe area insets. Um, and I think there's all these, like, it's, it's good. You can get carried away trying to, like, trying to, re- trying to read the tea leaves a little too much. But I think there's definitely something in this that there is going to be, a more fundamental change to the visual side um, of our applications probably sometime next year. And so doing major work this year is probably unwise. Um, It is kind of weird to me, though, that in the back of my mind, it's like a year is a really long time. Um, And, you know, for for most of our apps, that's, you know, it's like they've only been around for a few years. And so in a year um, is a pretty long time to 
have that kind of thing over, you know, sort of looming over us that like, maybe we don't want to do this, or maybe some, we want to make changes accordingly. Um, and so I struggle a little bit with that, that I, I kind of still want to feel like I can keep driving forward and keep making the app better or making it visually interesting or those types of changes that I don't want to feel like my hands are like totally tied um, as a result. But at the same time, I think it is certainly true that, you know, it's not a year for like, hey, I'm going to do this complete re- visual rebuild or those types of things where there may that that may be forced upon us or at least we may have the opportunity next summer. Maybe this is the positive way to look at it to dramatically change and improve um, the way our app is structured visually. And so we can take advantage of, 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 of that, of that at that point. Um, but yes, I mean, it's, it's interesting to think too. I do like sometimes where having a constraint of saying, well, I'm not going to look at the, I'm not going to focus on visual design much this year. I'm going to focus on behind the scenes or performance. I mean, that's what Apple is as themselves explicitly said, you know, iOS 12 is all about performance. And so taking a, a, you know, taking a good part of the summer or this fall and saying, you know, I'm just going to see, sit down in the profiler and just see if I can squeeze more performance out of my app and just have that be a focus and have that be something that um, isn't flashy potentially. It isn't something that's going to garner a lot of attention, you know, in the uh, over in an overt way, but it's certainly something that you would hope in aggregate will you know, gradually improve the user's experience of your application. And that gradual improvement will ultimately lead to more satisfied customers, which is good for business. And so um, in some ways, I like having that constraint to say, you know, like, it's so easy, I think, sometimes to just sort of do that kind of visual work, because it's fun, um, or at least it's, it's cognitively interesting. And so having a constraint to say, you know, probably not this year is the best time. Like only do the essentials, only do the things that really you can't get away with otherwise. And then beyond that, just, you know, sort of leave it, sort of leave it be and focus on behind the, you know, behind the scenes kind of changes. And, you know, hopefully that's better. And to to kind of close out this thought, I I think one, a really good way to look at this year is, you know, I mentioned earlier about the seasonality of Apple's development year and how springtime is, you know, when you know something big is coming in June, but you don't you don't know what it is and you kind of have to wait around. That's when you do a lot of your refinement features. And honestly, that's when I've done some of my most interesting features and some of my, some of my most successful features because I didn't have like like I, I had done all of my catching up with the Apple train for the year. You know, I, I didn't I had nothing else to do for the new OS. So I, I could feature I could focus on, you know, new new user-facing things that were just nicer or that were, you know, quality of life kind of improvements. In a way, since there isn't that much for most apps to do this year with the new stuff, this whole year could basically be like the spring, just a year-long spring, uh, which, you know, it, it could really result in really nice improvements for everyone's apps because there isn't that much Apple is forcing us to do this year like we could we can spend way more of the year on that on those refinements and on new user facing features and things like that rather than having to keep up with the apple treadmill of okay new design new api new language new technology new stack like that has kind of paused for a year in at least as we as we see it so it's kind of nice to actually do this it's also you know it's a good time for like this is one of the reasons i'm diving into swift now because if you know the reason I didn't do it in the past was like I couldn't keep up like I had too much to do and learning a whole new language would just slow me down too much this year I ha- I finally have that time because at this point not knowing swift should be considered technical debt and and you know cuz we know 
it's only a matter of time before there's Swift only frameworks and Swift only platforms. Maybe like we 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 really need to know that. So this is a good time for me to like you know do something that will slow me down, but will pay off technical debt and you know pave the way for future efficiency. And if everyone's doing stuff like that this year, that's pretty good for the apps and pretty good for us as a whole. Yeah, and I think it, and ultimately I think it will probably end up in a really good place. Um, as a platform, like it, like it's good. I think that Apple is doing it. And I mean, for all accounts, it's bearing dividends for them. That you know, running iOS twelve on old or on older devices works a lot better now. And if we can be part of that, mo- sort of part of that move, that movement or that effort uh, in our own apps, I think that that ultimately is is going to help everybody. By the way, I, I do have one question: Have you installed Beta One on your on your main phone, which you told everybody not to do? I've not. No, I've I have a testing device that it that that is explicitly for that purpose i will say the call of the beta is strong this year everyone who has done it i've had very few regrets i uh, heard many people who very few people who regret it but i've held strong maybe beta two maybe beta three but beta one no go i'll tell you what i i i might have done it and you may have done it and if, if i may have would have done it um i can may possibly maybe theoretically report that it's possibly maybe super stable and totally fine but no i couldn't i couldn't recommend anybody else do it of course uh, not 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 that I would have done it or did it. No, I mean you'd never think of that. That would that would, that would be a terrible idea. And I mean, especially and specifically against the advice that you gave to our, our listeners on the show. And so it would be kind of irresponsible to, to to go against your own advice. Exactly. But but had I done that, uh, it, it might have ended up being even more stable than iOS 11. Right. Anyway, thank you for listening, everybody. I <laughs> will talk to you next week. Bye.